Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode seven of the Happy Today podcast with Lady Maga USA. That's me. You know, I'll always say hello, ladies and gentlemen, because there are two genders and uh, it's okay to say ladies and gentlemen. So this episode, guys, seriously, this is kind of the most random encounter and awesome opportunity to come together with Ron Jay, who is a uh, black Trump supporter who recently joined the movement like in april and it's because of what he saw with um the radicalism at black lives matter and a lot of other things so we're going to jump right into this uh ranjay just start off by telling us where you're from where you grew up and tell us what it was like to grow up black <laughs> to grow up black uh first of all i'm from silver spring maryland um it's uh in the dmv area um, it's a it's a beautiful place, suburban. To grow up black, I mean, that question is pretty funny, but I just grew up always being myself, first of all, like black, white. When I was growing up, it was all mixed different types of people in middle school, elementary school, high school. Like I had white friends, Chinese friends, f- kids that were adopted. Like I was friends with all types of people. So, you know, I was just always just me. The reason I started with that question is because if any leftists listen to us, that's one of the things they would focus on. They would assume that you had a terrible, you know, oppressive life and everything was bad because uh, they that's just the narrative. Growing up black in America is terrible. It's a horrible nightmare. So um, this is the Happy Today podcast. And I always forget until the end to ask this question. I told myself I'd start with this question. It helps me get to know my guest. And so tell me, who is your favorite Disney character and why? So that's a pretty fun question. My favorite character always was Goofy. You know, uh, I know some of my people watching are going to laugh at that, but... He was just always just the one that was just goofy and funny. Like, he just was just, again, he was himself. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't the lead person. He was himself, and he stood out. He didn't really have, like, a... Well, I don't know if he had a story for real, for real, but to me, he really didn't have a story. He was just the one that when he came on TV, you were going to laugh, and I always appreciated him for that. I love that you chose Goofy. I always kind of analyze people by their favorite Disney character, and uh, you said something that he... He was not the shining star, but he stood out in his own way by being authentic to who he is. And he's just goofy. And that's why you love him. Let's jump into a Black Lives Matter rally. You were you were part of them. Tell me why you went to Black Lives Matter rallies and what your experience was with the Black Lives Matter movement. So when I was going to the Black Lives Matter rallies... I'm not going to say that everyone there had bad intentions because that's a complete lie. A lot of people that was there actually was there for the movement and, you know, they were fighting for something. And, you know, at the at the time, I agreed with it. But see, I'm all about peace. You know, I'm all about positivity. I'm all about moving forward. I'm all about solutions. And when I was going to the protest in D.C. near the White House, there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of hate, a lot of anger. And 
although I was trying to help, but it was like people, to me, people didn't want the help. They really just wanted to go and express that anger and express that that hate. And it's just like, you know, I get it, but there's other ways to do it other than, you know, looting and rioting. And, you know, again, I'm not saying that was all black people that was out there doing it, but, you know, it's a Black Lives Matter movement. So overall, it's going to fall on black people when things go wrong. You know, again, I don't really dislike the police. I always respected the police before the, the whole movement. So when I'm out there telling people, you know, let's not, you know, you know, stick the middle finger at the police officers. Let's not, you know, say F the cops every time we're walking by them. Let's actually thank them. You know why? Because whatever the person did to George Floyd, that police officer needs to be in jail. But these police officers right here at this protest are trying to make sure that we have a safe protest and we don't hurt each other or hurt other people. So we should be Showing them, since they're the racists and since they're the ones doing us wrong, we should be showing them that we're better than that. And, you know, when I was expressing that to everyone there, they wasn't trying to hear that. So I started feeling alone. Started feeling like I was by myself. Like, dang, you know what I'm saying? What can I do? Because over here, Trump supporters want to kill me because I'm black. And then on this side, you know, they don't want to help the cause. It was like a war was just ready to begin and... I didn't I didn't agree with that. You said over here Trump supporters want to kill you cuz you, cuz you're black. You meant that that's what they told you. Yeah, that, that, okay, I was going to say no, I don't want to kill you. I I want you to have a beautiful life and be very happy. So, I want to talk about uh looting and uh rioting and you know, taking Nike's and 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 terrorizing cities. Um as a black American, how do you feel when you see that happening? Because for me, as a as a gay drag queen, when I see Drag Queen Story Hour and these drag queens are out there teaching children to twerk and the radical LGBT community is pushing a militant agenda in the pride parade, you know, men in thongs waving sex toys in public, it hurts me because I don't want people to think that I'm like that. So tell me emotionally, how does it feel for you to watch what is happening with Black America right now as it pertains to Black Lives Matter? That's a good question, too. So my first day of protesting, right, I had the mentality that, yeah, we're definitely going to loot and we're definitely going to do all this stuff because we're mad and they need to realize that we're mad. So I literally picked up a rock, a big rock, and I was going to throw it at a window at a 7-Eleven. Don't ask me why I was going to do that. And one of my friends told me, you have to be one of the stupidest people that I know. You know, say so he told me this, like, you're going to take a rock and throw it out a window for what? And then I went home and thought about it like, he's right. You know what I'm saying? What me busting this 7-Eleven window or me robbing Macy's or doing something like that, what point is that proving? Like, what is that? How is that showing that black people are up now? You know what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't, that does, all it shows, all it does is it you know for the people who are racist it just proves their point even more like told you look told you they're out of control and i'm not out of control i was at the moment i was going with my emotions and my feelings and i was going with with the herd honestly and yeah i don't agree with it well that's a very um powerful story 
And thank you for being honest. I mean, you were caught up in the emotion. You picked up a rock. You were ready to fight. Um, tell me what, what led you to those angry emotions to actually get to the point where you got, you left your house, you went to a protest and you were ready to throw a rock because we need to understand the emotions happening behind this movement. And we need to understand these people. We can't just say we hate them. It's awful. They're terrorizing our country to find a solution. We have to get behind the emotional impact of uh, what happened perhaps with George Floyd or what they saw in the media. So tell me what led you to that moment to actually be willing to grab a rock. So it was exactly the George Floyd moment. Now, before George Floyd, I was always taught from my peers that white people are our suppressors and they're the ones who are, you know, they are the ones who are keeping us down. You know, I always had my own idea or my own idea of it, but you know, I'm still kind of just going with what my friends are saying that white people just hate us because we're black, point blank, period. So then when I saw George Floyd and, you know, the media, like the media put it all on, look, look, white people are doing this to us. You know what I'm saying? I fell for it easy. So that's where that anger and that pain came from because I'm like, you know, that could be me. That could be my little brother. That could have been my friend. And then I was upset at the fact that people were actually out there recording. I was telling myself, if that was me, I would have been fighting with the police. Like, they probably would have had to shoot me and George Floyd could have lived. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are the things that I were thinking and I, I felt bad that I wasn't there to help my fellow black person. You know what I'm saying? And, you know... That, that's where that anger and pain came from. I think what you said um, with the most impact was that could have been me. Yeah. So you personally identified with the injustice of that terrible uh, crime committed against uh, George Floyd. Okay, so could that have been you? If you're stopped by the police, what do you do? Me and my friend a couple weeks ago, I say like two weeks ago, we did a road trip to Atlanta. I mean, to LA, right? It was a long trip. And we ended up getting pulled over. Before we got pulled over, I was having the conversation with him what we should do when the police pull us over. Not just as black men, just as people in general. We have to understand that these police officers are regular people just like me and you. You know what I'm saying? They wake up in a bad mood, they wake up in a good mood. They may have missed breakfast. They may have. They may be going through a divorce. You know what I'm saying? So when these people approach us, we have to approach them as well as human beings. And we have to understand that we have the power whenever they're dealing with us. So every experience that I've had with the police has always been a good one. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I've never been threatened by a police officer. A police officer never stuck a gun to my head. Not saying that there's people out there who haven't experienced that, but me personally... It's always I've I've gotten away with speeding tickets just because of my talk. You know what I'm saying? Like just because I show respect. Something that uh the left and Black Lives Matter uh refuse to talk about and something they hate they hate to talk about is that nine times out of ten, if someone is shot by the police, they were resisting arrest or they had just committed a crime. And that's a conversation that needs to be had because I like what you said. Anybody who's pulled over by the police, uh, it's up to you how that interaction goes. 
I was pulled over once. Um, I was in full drag and I was rushing. I was late for something and the police officer pulled me over and I thought, great, he's probably going to be some, you know, homophobe police officer. I'm in this full outfit and the wig and of course he's going to give me a ticket. And I was speeding. And again, he said, um, you know, you were kind of tail ending that other car and we just wanted to let you know. And like you, he let me go. And I know it's because of my respectful demeanor. I said, look, I was going too fast. I totally understand. You know, how you doing? Here's my license. And I truly believe that um, your chances of getting killed by a police officer are, well, it's it's statistics. It's less than getting shot by uh, lightning or attacked by a shark. So the narrative, the fear mongering that they're building up against the police, it's terrifying. And uh, also please talk to us about uh, what police officers, including black police officers risk right now in America. Yeah, I was, I was going to say like, once we realize that these police officers are human beings, just like us, I feel like every, every encounter would be a, a decent one. You know what I'm saying? We also, and then you asked about the risk. In today's time, especially in today, 2020, we're in a culture where, well, I'm a part of a culture where it's, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse, but it's F12, you know? It's F12, you know, screw the police. We're not, we're against the police. So every, we don't understand that that builds fear in our minds towards the police officers. The police officers don't want us to be scared of them. They just want us to follow the law. And if we're not following the law, they're not going to come and be like, oh, hey, well, you did this. So can you? No, they're going to be like, yo, what are you doing? Stop. They may have to put you down if you're being a little wild. So it's just like anything. You know what I'm saying? When you go to see a doctor, you're not going to go to your doctor. Your doctor tell you, oh, you, oh no, I don't. You're wrong. And da, 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 da. Like you might want to listen to your doctor if your doctor is telling you that you, you're getting sick. You know what I'm saying? Just like the police, if they're telling you, hey, you're breaking this law and I caught you, you know, the best thing to do is just take it like a man, take it like a woman. And, you know, you know, you never know. You may not even have to see jail. You may have to just see a court date. You know what I'm saying? And really, if you really want to be scared, you need to be scared of the judge. They're the ones who's going to seal your fate for the next so on years, depending on what you did. You know what I'm saying? Or you might have to pay a fine. Like, the police officers are really not our enemy. They're just... To me, the police officers are the middleman, and I don't really talk to middlemen. Basically, it kind of can be summed up in saying, don't commit crimes, one, and two, don't resist arrest, and you should be good. Although, I may be guilty of resisting arrest if they try to arrest me in my home over Thanksgiving for having too many people, but that's a whole other story. Um, and I hope that most American police officers would realize that's not something they were hired to enforce. I want to talk a little bit about Black America. Now, I live in Utah. I'm as white as they get. I grew up Mormon. I come from two different worlds. We live in two different worlds. So I'm not an expert on anything, you know, inner cities. Uh, this hotel is in a very sketchy neighborhood. I've seen the police outside of the hotel multiple times. Last night, I went to McDonald's. There were multiple people living in tents. There were uh, a lot of black people just walking around and they were high and they were loitering. And the guy who asked me to buy him food at McDonald's was black. And I think I find it heartbreaking. 
And I don't know exactly what the solution is, but I know the solution has to come from within the black community. No Democrats, no Republicans. It has to come from the heart. So to make things better for the future of black people, especially young black people like you, how do we fix the challenges and the problems that young black people are facing in this country right now? So first, let me say that you said that it was kind of sketchy out here. Let me tell you, you're probably one of the safest parts of D.C. Don't don't think that this, what you see out here is, yeah, there's a lot of people out here homeless and stuff. And yeah, I know that person said that thing, that awful thing to you. But the chances of you getting robbed out here is probably not going to happen. You know, so there's a lot of people out here who are business savvy that live in these parts of D.C. So you're good. And um, to answer your question about what can young black people do to help our... First, it starts with love. That's number one. If we don't have love for ourselves, it's going to be hard for us to love anyone. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, homeless, rich. We're always going to find an excuse on why we shouldn't love one another, you know? So um, I think that's the first thing right there. And uh, we need to stop judging each other. White, black, rich, or poor. Like, it doesn't matter. However you got to wherever you got, that's that's between you and your maker. You know what I'm saying? Me on the outside of your life, all I can do is just either extend my hand, give you advice, you know, or just either just not pay attention to it at all. You know, a lot of us choose to not even acknowledge it. And that's not going to help with the growth. But there also is a lot of people who are trying to help with the growth and who are trying to help, but they're getting they're 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 getting like the there it's harder for them. When you're trying to live righteous, especially in today's time, you you don't really get accepted by a lot of people. Because me, I don't really see color. Because even in the black community, there's white people. And even in the white community, there's black people. So it doesn't really, to me, I don't really see color for real. It's hard for me to to go with that. I, I think you touched on the idea of love, which is very general and very nice. But the opposite of love is division. Yeah. And so I believe that, like you were at the rally yesterday, right? Bikers for Trump, gays for Trump, Latinos for Trump, blacks for Trump. All of us, no one cares about skin color, where every single thing coming out of the mouth of the Democrats and the left is color, 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 black, white, black. uh, You know, everything has to be divided according to skin color. And it just sets us back, in my opinion. I want to ask you um, two questions. Because I, I sometimes have mixed feelings on this issue. I'm told all the time that I have um, white privilege. And basically the idea kind of says that I didn't have to work for anything. Nobody knows my personal struggles. Nobody knows my personal story. And quite frankly, I've had to bust my butt for everything that I have. So talk to me about the concept of white privilege. And then the follow-up question is, do you believe you can achieve anything in America? So I know some people are going to like this, but I have grown to believe that I also have white privilege. (laughs) Because when I was growing up, (laughs) exactly, right? Exactly. See how crazy that sounds? When I was growing up, I didn't have it difficult. You know, I didn't have to 
get a job if I honestly really didn't want to. You know, like my family could have easily took care of me till today. But my family, they had to work hard for what they wanted. So they made sure that not only me, but the rest of us, you know, my cousins, my sisters, all of them, we had to work hard for what we wanted too. So to me, I think that's what, I think that is white privilege, the title of it, whatever, you know, because this whole white privilege thing is really just, you know, someone's father or mother who had money and they brought it down to their kids, you know, saying it's generation, generation, generation. So, you know, I guess I is what it. So what is that like, you know? I would have to say that it's pretty racist to say that your black parents who worked really hard to give you a good life have white privilege. Right. Uh, it, it sort of insinuates that the only people who can succeed are white, which is a lie. Um, I think instead of calling that white privilege, I think it's reaping the benefits of hard work, <laughs> you know? So, um, so you grew up, uh, tell me about, um, the values that your parents taught you that obviously, uh, made you different than a lot of your peers. And, and just real quick, when I say that, I say that very sarcastically, okay. you know what I'm saying? I, I don't believe in white privilege. I don't believe in black privilege. I don't believe in none of that. I just simply believe in working for what you want. And going out and getting it. And you also asked me a question, can you do anything you want to do in America? I think that's what the question was, right? Yeah, you can be whoever you want to be in America as long as you work hard for it. I didn't have white privilege. I just had the privilege of my family, you know, being able to bring their wealth down to me, you know? Um, what What was the next question? I think that was pretty much it. When I say the the concept of white privilege... Um, I've, I've lived overseas and um, I, I've met a lot of people from uh, third world countries such as Africa. And um, in French, there's a term, a word used in Africa. It's, it's whiteize, to whiteize, which is the word white um, in the verb form, meaning you're acting white. And um, it's just a generally very racist concept that black people cannot achieve what they want because the idea is that only white people can do it at the at the end of the day that's kind of what the, like with voter id they're saying it's voter discrimination to ask for id and their assumption is that black people are not smart enough to get an id and actually participate in uh the voting process there's so much latent condescending uh, racism on the left. And that's what I consider legitimate racism when they, they feel like, oh, you're all, you're all oppressed. We have to take care of you. You can't get into college on your own merit by studying hard. We have to let you in because of the color of your skin because we're so noble and we're so accepting. It's so insulting. Hey, Magateers, I hope you have been enjoying this conversation with Ranjay. I know I have. Be sure to continue listening in part two of episode seven, where we expand on the concept of the MAGA movement and what it's like for him to be a black Trump supporter. We talk about Donald Trump himself. And also we discuss Ranjay's journey as a Buddhist, a very fascinating topic. So tune in for part two of episode seven.
Who's the leader of the group that fights for liberty? L-A-D-Y-M-A-G-A-U-S-A, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Donald Trump. Hey guys, you know that if you are part of what I do and you support me, you are a mocketeer. We are making America great again. And if you would like to support my work for now, all I have basically is Venmo. It's just Lady Maga USA, one word. Any contributions will help me continue this podcast, help me continue to attend rallies, help me continue to create content. And I take a lot of time off from my regular job in customer service in order to do this. So any financial contributions enable me to focus on this as much as I can. God bless our beautiful country. Remember, you are never alone. And together, if we stand strong, we can save America.